Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermon. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Good morning, everybody. Thank you all for coming and hanging out with us today. So let's pray, and then we're going we're gonna to hop into today's message. Father, we come before you today in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you, God, for the opportunity to be here this morning. And Father, we're asking, God, that you would help us to lock in. God, we believe, God, that when we come, God, and we gather in your name, Lord, you're in the midst. So, God, you're with us today. There's things that you want to say. There's things you want to teach us. And so, Lord, we simply open up our hearts this morning to receive from heaven. So, Lord, we thank you for clarity. We thank you for the anointing. We thank you for bringing life changes only you can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so listen, if you were here last week, you might remember that we started a new five-part series uh, entitled Pray First. Somebody say Pray First. So in part one, last week we talked about the importance of making prayer a priority or our first priority of life rather than our last resort. So if you weren't here last week, I know a lot of people missed because of the weather. Uh, I would encourage you to go check out the podcast. I believe if you do that, uh, you know, God will bless you for it. I believe that he'll talk to you. Amen. So, so this morning, if you're taking notes, we're going to roll into part two. And the title of today's message is pretty simple. It's Pray First, The Place of Prayer. Somebody say, The Place Come on, say it like you mean. Say, the place of prayer. You know, I've been a Christian for 26 years now, and to this day, I'm so grateful uh, that one of the first things that my pastors instilled in me as a young believer was they taught me about the importance of prayer. And to be even more specific of what we're talking about today, they taught me how to value being alone with God in the place of prayer. And so my simple hope, my simple prayer for you today is that as you listen to this message, that God will help you do the same, that you too will begin to value uh, the place of prayer. So to get the ball rolling, I, I want us to uh, to go to the early days of Jesus' ministry, and, and basically we know that's uh, found in the Gospels, but more specifically, I want to look at the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, we, we know that after Jesus called his first disciples, he gave them his first public teaching, which is famously known as the Sermon on the Mount. And within that sermon, he explained a lot of things to his followers, but to, to, to kind of put it in general terms, he, he explained to his disciples, A, the kingdom of heaven and how it operates, And secondly, B, how they as citizens of that kingdom should live their lives. Now, several points from that sermon that you and I are probably very familiar with is that sermon centered around, uh, you know, godly character. That was the Beatitudes. He talked about uh, how they should influence the world to salt and light, how they should resolve conflict through forgiveness, and even how they should approach, approach topics such as generosity, purity, marriage, servanthood, and so on. You, you can go read all that in Matthew chapter 5 through 7. But another significant piece and where I want to drill in today of what Jesus taught on that day was this. Is he revealed to them that not only was God the king of this heavenly kingdom, but he is also a father who loves his children deeply. And it was through that lens of God being a loving, caring, fully aware, fully engaged father, that's where Jesus decided to teach his followers about the value and the necessity of prayer. Now, because you and I live in a day and age where 
uh, you, you know, there's, there's volumes upon volumes of books on prayer. I have many in my office. Uh, you know, we all, we all have access to, you know, podcasts and YouTube videos, uh, you know, readily acceptable at the click of a button to teach about prayer. So we, when I realized that when we listen to this maybe today or when we uh, think about Jesus teaching on prayer, it's not that earth-shattering. But, but I think we need to remember that when we put ourselves in these guys' shoes, the disciples' shoes, an actual teaching on prayer would have been relatively new to them. Are you all with me? See, you know, they had the law of Moses, they had the words of the prophets, and they had heard the rabbis read the stories again and again from the ancient scrolls, uh, literally from Genesis to Malachi, that contained prayers. uh, And they even had their ritual prayers that they prayed according to tradition that they repeated again and again. Uh, But they had never heard and they had never witnessed what Jesus was talking about on that day. You, you see, Jesus came and he, and he took them beyond some prescribed prayer, once again, that was repeated again and again, to something that can only be described as an intimate and personal relationship with the Father. So, in contrast uh, to everything that the disciples had witnessed from the religious community, you know, at that time, what happened is Jesus came and he absolutely blew it out the water. Good news, Right? And so I say all that to simply say this, is that what you and I are about to read, even though Jesus delivered it over 2,000 years ago, it is still as relevant and still stands just as true today as the days he uttered it. And the reason is because the God we pray to has not changed. Amen. So he's still the faithful father who longs to be intimate and communicate with his children. And so... With that in mind, what I want to do is I want to turn our attention to an excerpt from the Sermon on the Mount. And um, I I have to tell you, this is one of, if not my favorite portion of scriptures on prayer of the entire Bible. And so let's read it together and then we'll unpack it. So Matthew chapter 6, it says this, starting in verse 5. Jesus talking. He said, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Surely I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. Somebody say place. It says, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetition as the heathen or as the unbelievers do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask. So before we get into the meat of what I want to talk about, there's two quick little things I want to throw out at you uh, just right out the gate to kind of set the tone. The first thing is this, is I would like to highlight uh, basically the words that Jesus said. Notice he said, when you pray. When you Pray. In other words, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. When you pray, go into your room. When you pray, don't keep repeating the same words over and over again. Three times in all, in this small portion of Scripture, Jesus said, when you pray. What's my point? He never said, if you pray. He said, when you pray. And the reason that's important is because we have to understand as followers of Christ, He expects us to pray. Right? So simple, but... Oftentimes, we don't do the simple, right? I think Martin Luther was spot on when he said this. He said, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. So, listen, if you and I are going to claim to be followers of Christ, then then we should pray, and we should pray often, because it's impossible to know him without praying. Great place to say amen. 
So, and, and when I say talk about praying, I'm not referring to uh, the repetition of a few phrases that have, you know, out of sheer ritual, you know, just become practically meaningless to us over the years. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? So much so that we, that we just, you know, uh, mindlessly utter them and our thoughts wander from here to there like there's no connection. I'm talking about connecting with God from your heart and true, genuine fellowship with Him. Amen? All right, so the second thing I would like to point out is this, is notice the spirit in which Jesus told his followers that they need to pray in. It was one of humility. Can somebody say humility? humility. So he, he clearly, we can see in these words that he clearly didn't approve of the way the religious uh, you know, Pharisees, religious leaders approach prayer. As, you know, as they would stand on the street corner, what would they do? Making their prayers known to anyone who passed by, right? They, they were just caught up in the fancy words of it and how articulate they could be and all that stuff. And, and so to, to them, you know, Jesus is basically saying that prayer was a show, it was a performance, uh, but he wants you and I to understand that there's something sacred and there's something intimate about the moment when we go into the secret place, right? That you and I, when we go in there, it's not about performance, but it's about understanding whose presence we're in. That he is our father, yes, but he's still the high and lofty one. He is still the almighty, and the almighty is not looking for a show. He's looking for our heart. Amen. So that, that's why Jesus went on later. You can read it in Luke chapter 18, but he taught the difference between a publican's prayers and the tax collector's prayers. He literally, he said that, uh, in essence, that God rejected the publican's prayers, but he accepted basically the tax collector's prayers. You know, the question is why. One was done out of some arrogant religious performance, and the other one was from a vulnerable, broken, honest, humble heart. And so what he's saying ultimately is, is if you and I are going to approach him, then we need to do it in the spirit of humility. Amen. So if you're ever wondering why we need to come to God like that, here's why. Listen to what Andrew Murray said. I love this quote. He said, pride must die in you or nothing of heaven can live in you. Pride must die in you or nothing of heaven can live in you. Gang, if you and I realize or not, Jesus wants heaven to live in us and to free flowly out of us. And for this to happen, we have to learn how to approach him, not in arrogance, not out of performance, but with a spirit of humility that simply says, God, I need you. All right, so let's turn our attention to what we really want to talk about today. All that was free. Um, let, let, me, let, me, let me give you what I believe are the foundational pieces of prayer. In fact, I think if, if you and I would just... Like, read this portion of Scripture slowly, read it carefully. We'd quickly discover that Jesus identified three foundational thoughts when it comes to prayer, and he identified them uh, by using the name of the Father to highlight it to us. And so I, I want us to look at these three together, and, uh, and just, I just pray that you, that you would open your heart and uh, let Jesus talk to you. So here's the, the first foundation of prayer, the first foundational thought that you and I have to have. Somebody elbow your neighbor and say, listen up. <laughs> Number one, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. Pray to your Father who is in the secret place. Gang, have you ever paused long enough to ask yourself what those words, your Father who is in the secret place, what that really tells you about God's nature? Listen, I don't know what immediately comes to your mind, but I believe Jesus was making it really clear that if you and I ever want to find God, that's where he'll be. 
Right? It's in the secret place. If I can put it in a real practical way, if you and I really want to know him, a sweet communion, he will never be found in the midst of our hustle and bustle of, of our busy lives. Right? You know, with our full schedules that cause you and I to run in circles, right? From appointment to appointment, task to task, outing to outing, constantly going from here to there. A life that's constantly full of screens, right? Full of distraction and people pulling us in all sorts of directions. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? Yeah, listen, he's saying is this, is he's not found there. He's not found on the run. Right? How often do we pray on the run? Come on, church. Right? Listen, on the contrary, Jesus made it really clear that if we want to learn what it means to really know the Father, then it will require us to stop trying to connect with him on the run. Right? Like he's saying that. Instead, we need to learn how to pause and unplug from our busy lives long enough so that you and I can enter into that secret place right, where he can be and where he wants to be found. So I, I'm just trying to tell you guys that it's like, look, I know everybody in this room that's born again like you want to know God. And, and I'm just trying to, to remind you that where he's at is beyond the veil. He's hidden from the limelight. Man, he, he's hidden behind, you know, away from all that clutter, from the view of others. If you really want to know him, man, he's waiting for you just to come be with him. Amen? So, now with that said, I, I want to make something clear. Because I realize people can go, well, if he's there, then, then what about this? What about that? Listen, I'm not saying uh, that God won't interrupt our lives to get our attention. Right? In other words, he'll clearly do whatever it takes to get us where we need to be. Like he did it with Moses at the burning bush. Man, he did it with Saul turned Paul on the road to Damascus. He even got in a wrestling match with Jacob to get his attention. Right? So, so it's true that God will will and can and whatever. He'll do whatever it takes. He'll hijack our lives to get our attention. But I want you to know, please listen to me. He will not keep doing it to keep our attention. Right, like, like he may get, get you once, right? But he's going to point you in the direction and tell you where he can be found from that point on. And that's where? It's in the secret place. Okay? So, so listen, even though I, I think most of us in this room know this, like you're staring at me like you know this. <laughs> like I can't tell if you're just like you got this down pat or if you're awake and you don't know you're awake. <laughs> but, but, but listen, I, I feel like many of us Many of us know this, but, you know, when it really gets down to it at, at our core, man, we, we just want God to instantly give us some, some deep spiritual life at the snap of our fingers. Listen, with little to no effort of our own and with little to no disruption of our preoccupied lives. I'm talking to somebody. Amen? So to put it plainly, listen, we, I realize that we know this, but many of us don't want to be inconvenienced by the difficulties and the patience that it requires to go to the secret place. But, but listen, if you want to know him, that's where he's at. Okay? So, so listen, over the past couple of days, man, the, the prevailing thought that keeps running through my mind is simply this. And I'm not saying this to beat anybody up, but I am trying to hopefully shake us a little bit to get our attention. But, but here's what I keep thinking. is where, where we fail the most in prayer is we fail to pray. Where we fail the most in prayer is that we fail to pray. It's not that we go in and don't know what to say and don't have anything to talk about and all that stuff. It's just the fact that we just don't do it. That's where we fail the most. Right? And so we need to understand that Jesus has already told us the way. Right? He's told us the way. He's in there in the secret place. Gang, there is no other way. Can I say that again? There is no other way. 
If there was, Jesus would have told us, but he didn't, right? And so you and I need to to choose to heed his words and refuse to let these cares of this world and the business of our lives to keep us from the place that he's found. Right place, say amen. So, so listen to what Andrew Murray said years ago. This is a quote that I read over the past few days, and it's kind of wordy, different language than we use today, but, but I think it's good, so I'm going to read it. it. It says this. It says, God is a God who hides himself from the natural eye. As long as in our worship of God, we are chiefly occupied with our own thoughts and exercises, our own activities, right? Our own grocery lists, what we got to do today, what we got to do tomorrow. It says, we will not meet him who is, in the, who is a spirit, the unseen one. But to the man who withdraws himself from all that is of the world and man and waits for God alone, the Father will reveal himself. As he shuts out the world and its life, surrendering himself to be led by Christ into God's presence, the light of the Father's love will fall on him. I love that last part. All right, so let's shift gears here a little bit. Are you all with me today? Let's shift gears a little bit. One, one thing that I admire about Jesus is that he never taught us something that he didn't practice himself. Like if there's ever been someone, let me, let me say this, help somebody out here. There's only one person that's never been a hypocrite. Jesus, okay? Everything Jesus taught us, he did, okay? And so, so let me show you a couple of verses here that give you an example of how Jesus practiced what he was preaching. It says in Mark one thirty-five, it says, Very early in the morning. Don't y'all hate that part? <laughs> Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Matthew 14, 23, it says, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a, on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. Somebody say alone. Luke 9, 18 says, once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowd say that I am? Luke 6 says this, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When's the last time we did that? It says, when morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them who he also designated as apostles. So, so listen, these are just a few examples. But if you read the Gospels, you can see that Jesus consistently unplugged from everything and everyone around him so that he could retreat to a quiet place so he could have private time with the Father. So if, if I could stretch this thought just, just a little bit further, you know, all throughout the Bible we see that God's people, uh, you know, had special places to meet with God. To give you a few examples... Uh, Abraham had a juniper tree. Moses had a tent of meetings. Gideon had a wine press. David had a pasture. Solomon had a temple. Daniel had an upper room. That's what the Bible says. Peter had a rooftop. See, the, there, there's literally biblical example after biblical example of God's people having a secret place to meet with God. And so I say all that to kind of get to this one point. I, I, I believe that when the foundational points that Jesus was trying to drive home to you and to me is simply this is that when he said, pray to your father is in the secret place, he was trying to tell us that if we don't have, already have an intentional, designated, quiet, consistent secret place to meet with God, then we need to get one. You know, like I mentioned to you earlier, I, I'm so grateful that all those pastors in my early years taught me the value of this. And, and I have literally heeded this every place that I've ever lived. You know, just kind of give you an example. I'm just saying this to kind of spark Hopefully something in your head. When I lived in Louisiana, that, that hot furnace of a state, um, it, you know, listen, my, my secret place was either in the middle of a football field or was in the church 
foyer really late at night when nobody was around. The reason I love that church foyer is because it had great acoustics and it even made me sound good when I would sing, right? When I moved to North Carolina, um, you know, the second time, it, it was really in my home office in my basement. That was my secret place. Uh, you know, since I've been in Maine, I, I've had, I would love to have, I've had the opportunity to get more creative, but the truth is, is I've had to get more creative because we have five kids and we have dogs and we, it's, uh, I've just had to get creative. And so, so there, there's times where my, my secret place is my living room really early in the morning for everybody else is up and I got to be really quiet or it's in my neighborhood cul-de-sac where my neighbors always come interrupt me, right? Or it's in the blueberry field behind my house or it's on the side of a mountain here, oh, you know, if I take a hike or maybe it's in a kayak on a lake or, or maybe it's, it's in the spot that I'm standing right now. I've had to get really creative, but all those places have become these designated places where I meet with God. Like when I know I got to, I got to hear from God, those are the places I go. So listen, over the years, I've learned that even though uh, my location of my secret place has changed, the one thing that hasn't changed is the God who meets me there. Amen? So listen, that whenever and wherever uh, you know, I go, as long as I have my heart set to connect with him, man, he always shows up. Right? And so, I, But I want you to know, and I want to get a little bit more uh, in-depth with this, and I'm just sharing things really that are on my heart about this topic this morning, but... Out of all the places that I've ever prayed, I have to say that my favorite place that I've ever prayed had to be my home office in North Carolina. And it's not because the room was fancy. Truthfully, it was very awkwardly shaped, and it was, you know, it was like it shaped like an L. It was whatever. But it, it wasn't the, the aesthetics of it at all. But, but I, I think maybe the reason why that spot was so special and has remained special to me is because that's really where those words, pray to your fathers in the secret place, came alive to me. Like, the pastors taught me this, but this is where it became real, right? So, so listen, like, I'll, I'll never forget the day that I was reading in Matthew chapter 6, and, and, and as I read, the words that jumped off of me, off the page at me, were like this. But you, let's read the verse again. When you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is, and I saw, who is already in the secret place. And, and listen, it's, it's not only that, that that day that that revelation hit me, that the Father was already there waiting on me, but it was that day that when getting in the presence of God stopped being a struggle for me. Because uh, like maybe some of you, I would go and I would somehow try to work up and convince God that I was good enough to be in his presence. And it, was, and it was this day I learned that the presence of God is just as easy as shutting a door. So listen, from that day on when I got that, I would walk into my office. It was typically, I'm going to describe to you my normal off day Friday, Friday mornings. Here's normally what would happen. That time we only had two kids, but I would go, hey, Jen, I'm going to go downstairs and I'm going to go pray. And I would walk in my office and I would literally uh, open the door and I would shut it. And, and when I shut it, I would hold on to the doorknob and I would simply say this. I would say, Father... You said in your word that you would meet me in the secret place. So, Lord, I'm choosing today in the name of Jesus to shut out every distraction that's on the other side of that wall. And I would name the distractions. And I would say, Lord, as I do that, I'm choosing not to shut out the distractions, but I'm choosing to shut myself in with you. Thank you for meeting me here today. And I would let go of the door, and I would turn, and I'm telling you, every time the presence of God go, poof. 
And the only way I know how to describe it is this, is that my little old office felt like the throne room of God. <laughs> Listen, it was as if somebody gave me a secret code to the door of God's presence. Okay, and, and it was really there in those moments on those Fridays where I really began to understand that the prayer closet was a place of reflection and repentance, of love and affection, of gratitude and worship, confession and declaration, petition and intercession, right? Humility and surrender, vulnerability and trust, listening and obeying, being forgiven and forgiving. It was a place of exchange. I didn't read this stuff in a book. That's what I experienced. That all I had to do was come in and things I was holding on to, that if I opened my hands up, God would open up his hands. As long as I would release, he would release. Right? And it was a place where heaven met earth. Listen, there was no schedule. There was no agenda on those days. I just wanted to be with him, and I went wherever the Holy Spirit wanted to go. Right? So listen, there was days, and this may make some of y'all feel uncomfortable. I don't care. There's things that I did very much out of my normal nature in that room. Like I would laugh as I would dance, and I would shout and praise. Not me. Okay? I, I would literally bow on the ground, and I'd weep and worship I laid on my face, literally silent, not saying a single word because his presence was so strong. I literally lay on the floor for an hour. Just thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Right? Listen, I confessed the word of God over my life. I literally began to, to declare what God said about me and his word because my identity needed to shift. I would declare who he is from a heart of gratitude. I'd pray for my family. I'd intercede for people that God would lay on my heart. I'd literally say, hey, Lord, who do you want to pray? Really, that's where I learned to walk in the room. And I said, Holy Spirit, where do you want to go today? And whatever he said, that's just where I went, right? There was days where I engaged in spiritual warfare, that it would get loud, right? That I would pray for our church, I'd pray for our city. There was days I'd do nothing but pray in the Spirit. There was days that I would just simply read my Bible out loud, and I would stop at certain verses, and I would pray into them. You know, literally, literally, this would go on for hours because I wasn't in a hurry, Right now, was now is every day like that? No, but I tell you what, those days, and I still have them sometimes. Those days instilled inside of me a deep yearning for the presence of God that I realized there's nothing in this life that compares to it. So, so listen. My simple advice to you this morning is, is this: is to find a place. Church, listen to me. Find a place. Right? Where you know that you won't likely be interrupted and distracted. A place where you can still your mind and quiet your soul. A place where you can express your words and your emotions and your heart freely. Like, can you do that in a coffee shop? You can probably pray there. But what happens if you want to shout praise? People are going to think you're nuts. So my encouragement, find you a place, right? Once again, where you can talk and you can listen to God. If you like music, here's my suggestion to you. This is all practical stuff. Put on some instrumental music. So often we put on our favorite new song and we let that thing lead us and let the Spirit, right? We, we let those lyrics lead our prayers instead of where the Spirit wants us to pray. So, so if we want to really lock in, man, it's like put on some instrumental music. Helps you hear from Him. Helps you, helps you express your heart because atmosphere is key, right? Read your Bible. Have a notebook handy. Write down what things that God tells you because He's going to tell you some things. And, and simply do this. Just pray and follow the Spirit as He leads. And here's... here's some great advice. Don't be in a hurry. Can I say that again? Don't be in a hurry. Don't be in a hurry. Most of us stop praying when we should start praying. You get what I mean by that? 
In other words, like, we're not really done, but we get none. Because <laughs> we, we're so caught up in everything that we need to do, right? And, and so, but most of all, here's my, here's, my, here's my best advice I can give to you on this, okay? It's simply this. Show up. Show up. You can have the greatest secret place on the planet, but if you don't show up consistently, it's going to do you no good. Okay? So let me give you a few verses before we move on to our second point, just to encourage you. Jeremiah 29, 12 14. In my opinion, you've heard me say this before, outside of salvation, this is probably my favorite promise in the entire Bible. Here's why. Listen to what he told you. He says, then you will call on me. That's Pray, right? And come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek my face and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Right there, guys, he gave you a guarantee that if you seek him, that's, let me say it this way, that's impossible to seek him and not find him when you do it with all your heart. Look at verse 14. He says, I will be found by you. Make that personal. I'll be found by you. Okay? Psalm 27, 4 says this. One thing... I, one thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in this temple. Make that about the secret place. Right? Look at Psalm 27, verse 8, just four verses later. He said, my heart has heard you say, come and talk to me. It's what God's saying. Come and talk to me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. Can we just have that this morning, that kind of heart that says, Lord, I'm coming? Y'all, it's so much bigger than just going to church. Amen? It's about knowing him. Here's the second foundational thought Jesus taught us about prayer. He said this, Your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Somebody say reward. Listen, guys, we realize or not by those few words, Jesus assures us, let this sink in deep. He assures us that prayer in the secret place cannot be fruitless. That prayer in the secret place cannot be fruitless. In other words, he's literally telling us that it's utterly impossible for you and I to enter into genuine, heartfelt, faith-filled prayer without us reaping the rewards of answered prayer. Y'all do realize that God wants to answer your prayers, right? Can I help y'all with something? Listen, the more specific you get in prayer, the better you'll know when he answers your prayer. The goal is not to come pray some generalities. It is come to get very specific because he knows. Okay? And when we get specific, we know if he answers. Okay? So how many of you guys know that God wants to answer your prayers? That's, that's good news. Listen, over the years, uh, you know, from my perspective, I've been, I've been really, really encouraged. You know, for you guys that know me, you know I like to read. And, and I have found a lot of encouragement uh, in the area of prayer by reading life, sto- life stories of men who prayed. You know, a few examples of that is Charles Finney, writes Daniel Nash, it's Reese Howell, writes John G. Lake, Lester Summerall, there's many more. But, but, but what I want to say to you today, out of all those men, there, there's, there's one guy, y'all please this one I'm about to say, there's one guy out of everybody that sticks out to me that I can't tell you how many times that I went to go pray about some specific need that I'm reminded about this man and it encourages me and it builds my faith to believe what I'm praying for. And that's a guy named George Mueller. George Mueller and his wife, uh, Mary, they ran an orphanage in England for many years. They did a whole lot of other things, but I'm going to focus solely on the orphanage. And, and here's one of many stories. I'm going to give it to you really quick. There's a story that talks about how one night George was 
uh, sitting in his study, and he was, you know, writing in his book, whatever, and his wife uh, came through the door with some alarming news, and she told him that, that basically that they were, they were out of milk and that they didn't have enough oatmeal to feed all the 100 children that would need to be fed the next morning. So imagine this. God has entrusted you with 100 little lives, and it's on you to make sure they're fed and taken care of. How many of you guys know that's, that's a little pressure? Like there's men in this room, you feel the weight of one child, two children, three children, four children. Like you feel the weight, five children. Some of y'all that are super blessed, y'all went beyond that. I'll leave that up to you. Okay, so, so anyway, so it's like, man, can you imagine the responsibility of a hundred children sitting on you? Right? So as George listened he, to his wife, he put down his pen knowing that this wasn't the first time that money was needed to buy food or buy supplies. And, and here, here's why. It's kind of like if you read the story, you, you realize that, that George and his wife, they decided to never ask people for money. They didn't do fundraisers. They didn't take offerings. He didn't take a paycheck. Instead, what they did is they chose to trust God completely to provide for their needs, for their needs as well as for their staff and those 100 children. So what happened was George rose from his desk and he reached out and he grabbed his wife's hand and he said, Mary, let's pray. You know, at that time when he did that, two other staff members came in and they joined him. And, and it says this, that, that together they prayed their humble yet necessary requests to God. And it says after they prayed, George simply told the three people in front of him, listen to this, I will repeat it. But he said this, he looked at the three people, Mary and two workers. He said, be assured if you walk with God and look to him and expect help from him, he will never fail you. Be assured if you walk with him and look to him and expect help from him, he will never fail you. At that moment, the story says that someone knocked on the door. Mary uh, hurried to answer it. Moments later, she, she came back into George's office. She handed him an envelope, and she said, It's a letter, George. Hurry up and open it. Right, And it closed was more than enough money to purchase the milk. And then within the next few minutes, two other people on the door, handed an envelope that was enough money to buy the oatmeal for the next day. They lived that way for years. Right? So this is only one story out of a, out of a lot. But, but if you read this guy's life story, 73 years, that's how he lived. He literally raised uh, each and every penny for the ministry through what? Through unceasing and persistent prayer. Right? So, so get this. I love this. He actually said this. That he said that there wasn't one time that he went to prayer where he found the throne empty, nor, nor was the throne or God exhausted of, its, of the supply that he needed. The throne was never empty and it was never exhausted of its supply because he knew that if he asked, God would hear and he would provide. And so I'll just say this and then we'll move on. But, but here's something that's so neat. This man, this humble man, literally uh, kept journals, and he would write down every prayer request that he made. He would take basically one side of the page, and he would write out the prayer request that he made, specific, detailed. And on the other side, he left it blank, and he would write down how God answered the prayer. So right before he died, he, he testified that he had counted up, and God had answered over 50,000 specific prayers that this man prayed, that he never told a single soul he just talked to God. Amen? So listen, I believe if, if you and I can, can remember what God has done for folks like that and remember that he'll do the same for us, then help us to actually believe verses like Philippians 4.19 that says, And my God will liberally supply, fill unto full, every, your every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Like, isn't that good news? 
Yes, it is. Listen, before we move on, let me say something. Um, Dick, Dick Eastman said this. He said that prayer is the divine equalizer. Some preach, others teach, a few sing publicly, but all can pray. Okay, listen, I just believe we set our hearts to pray. Remember what Jesus said, that if we, what? If we ask, we'll receive. If we seek, we'll find. If we not, the door will be open. And I want you to know today that that's not just for the George Muellers of this world, but for regular folks just like you and me. If we pray, God will answer. Amen? Because he said in his word, you read in Hebrews eleven six that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What's the key there? Diligently seek him. He will do his part. we got to do our part. Amen? So let me give you the third one and we'll land this. Third foundational thought that Jesus gave us was he simply said this. He said, your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Now, I recognize at first glance there's a lot of people that would look at that and go, well, you know what, if that's true, then the purpose of prayer is unnecessary. Like, there's no reason to pray. If God knows have what, what we have need of, then why bother praying, right? Uh, well, I think that train of thought may sound really good to your, your natural carnal minds and my natural carnal mind. I, I want you to know that's not what Jesus is saying here. Right? It's not what he's saying. I, I personally believe that when he told his disciples, your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him, I think he was simply trying to reinforce their faith, and he was trying to build their trust. I think that's what he was trying to do, and I think he wants to do the same for some of us today. So look, for starters, let me put it this way. These words, I believe, reassured their faith in the sense that they should never feel like they had to beg or plead with an unwilling and uncaring God. Like, how many times have we in this room, something's happened in our lives, and instead of really praying, we're begging? Right? Like, like something needs to change, and, and, and we're just a broken emotional mess, and we're, and we're, like, trying our best to twist God's arm. We're trying to convince him somehow to listen to us, and we think that if there's a tone of urgency in our voice, that it will somehow convince him to bring the outcome we want. Y'all have never done that, have you? So listen, the reality is what Jesus is saying here is like, look, man, your, your father is already aware of your needs. He's not caught off guard. And so if, he's, if, he's, if he knows what you need, then more than likely he's probably working on your behalf before you even know he needs to work on your behalf. Did y'all get that? So, so listen, if we understand that, then we, don't, then we don't pray from a position of begging and pleading. We just pray from a place of faith that knows this, that God loves me, he's aware, he cares, and he is doing what needs to happen in this situation. I feel like I'm talking about five of you in the room. Are you all hearing me today? Okay. The, the second thing that I will point out is this, is simply, uh, I think by those words, it built their trust in the sense that it showed them that their father listened, that he knew better for them than they did. Like, if we could grab a hold of that, right? That, that the reality is that sometimes in our prayers, we become so preoccupied with what we want that I think we easily forget that the father sees and hears and knows better than we do. Right, And I believe if you and I can just pause long enough to remember this foundational truth, th then just maybe we'll find a rest in our heart with whatever answer the Father chooses to give us. Like, let me ask you just point blank so you understand what I'm saying. How many of you guys have ever prayed and didn't get the result you wanted? All right, the rest of y'all need to pray more. <laughs> I, I've had loads of prayers throughout the years 
where I prayed and I thought that I wanted one thing and God gave me another thing. Like loads, right? And, and the verse that kind of comes to my mind, I mentioned this the other day, but the verse that comes to my mind in this is Luke 11, simply says this, Jesus talking. He's talking about prayer. This is right after he says, if you ask, if you seek, if you knock. And then he says this, if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Y'all seen the picture here? Um, It says, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts for your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So listen, in in light of those words, I guess what I'm really wondering today is, is there anybody in the room that has lived long enough that you have now become grateful for unanswered prayers? Like hindsight is straight up 2020, right? And there's been times that, that I thought I knew best. I thought I knew what I wanted from God. Like, I was, man, God, that's what I want. And then either it didn't happen or God gave me something else. And it took me a while to realize that, uh, you know, basically on down the road, man, if God would have gave me what I asked for, that might as well have been a snake. <laughs> it might as well have been a scorpion. It might as well have been a stone. If he would have gave that to me, it would have hurt me. But understand that, that God loved me enough to withhold and not give me what I wanted because he, because he wanted to protect me. He's done it for every one of us in this room. right? In, in fact, there's a time that I, that I remember very clearly. I remember being in that church foyer that I told you about with amazing acoustics. I, it was probably one of the loneliest times of my entire life. And I remember going there praying and I, and I asked God for three things that night. And uh, the, the first thing I asked him was this. And I remember, you know, I, to put, put in perspective, I was 21 years old. Tommy and I had become friends. It was the first year in our friendship. And, and Tommy's got an incredible dad. And I remember praying that night, God, I want a father like Tommy. Right? God, will you give me a spiritual dad? Will you, and I just, you know, just pray and talk about, like, pretty much the advantages that he had, he has in his life versus what I have. He, you know, having a man of God as a father, and then here I am praying for my father's salvation, right? Not even sure if I ever want to see the man again, right? And so I'm praying, and I heard the Lord say to me, he said, Quentin, I'm the father to the fatherless. And so I said, okay, all right, well, maybe if you want to give me a father, maybe you'll give me a, a friend. Because what happened was, is I was like, man, I, I feel like I'm so stuck here, like, everybody's either over me or under me. Like, I'm this lone guy in this position, and I'm just lonely, right? So I begin to pray, God, give me a friend. God, give me a friend. I don't care, just give me a friend. <laughs> and I heard him say, Quentin, I'm the friend that sits closer than a brother. I was like, okay. Well, if he's not giving me a dad, if he's not giving me a friend, maybe he'll give me a, a girlfriend. <laughs> I said, Lord, you know, when I was living in Birmingham, I was dating her, and now we're broke up, and, and Lord, I'm lonely. I think I'm ready to get married. 21 years old, broke as broke could be. I wasn't ready to get I was 20. I was so broke. And, uh, and so I'm praying, and I'm praying, God, give me, the, give me a girl. And I heard God speak to me. He said this. He said, Quentin, until you learn how to romance me, you'll never have a right to romance a woman. But here's the thing, like, what would have happened, thinking back now, if God would have gave me that girlfriend? If he gave me that friend? There, there was a season of loneliness that God was giving me 
so I could learn how to be with him in the secret. And I was so caught up in what everybody else had that I didn't have that I was missing what he was wanting to do in me. Am I making sense? And, and I'm here to tell you, if he would have gave me that girl, I'd have been so distracted that I wouldn't have spent the hours and hours and hours and hours that I had with him. That were, that's really where he formed me, and that's really where I got to know him. I was saved for a couple years, but that's where I got to know him. I hope I'm making sense to y'all. So I, the reason I'm saying this is I, I just know our, our natural tendency is to pray for what we want, but God tends to, to only give us what we need, right? And, and so I just want us to be aware of that, and greater than that, I just want us to be okay with that. Like, can we be okay with what he gives us, right? So, all right, let's land this. Let me circle the wagon one time. Remember, Jesus said, when you pray, not if you pray. Remember, he told us to approach him in humility, not in arrogance. So we need to know that we need him. We need to depend on him. The next thing is, is Jesus talked about we can't find the Father in the busyness of our schedules. We need to go find the secret place. Then he told us that, that guess what? That if we go there, he'll answer our prayers. That's how he'll reward us openly, right? And then he said this. He said that he already knows what we need, so we need to relax. We need to be at peace, okay? And, and then lastly, he knows better, so maybe we need to trust him. I don't know if any of that helps you today, but it's a great reminder for me. Amen? Can you stand to your feet, please? Father, I'm simply asking, God, for everyone in this room that you would help us to never forget, God, that we have an open invitation to the secret place. That Jesus himself gave his life upon that cross so that that veil could be torn, so that every one of us in this room could enter in. God, we thank you today that we don't have to go through some priest but we have an access to the high priest. God, it's simply to be with you. And so, Lord, would you help us in the midst of our crazy lives where we're getting pulled every which way to simply settle down, slow down, and to make time for you. Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you would come and you would just put a hook in us and that you would draw us, that you would woo us. Lord, I don't know how to say it any other way, but knowing that there's something that's greater, that's better, that's deeper than what we, most of us, what we already have. Lord, there's people in this room that go there often, but Lord, I pray that we would see that it's your desire that we would all go there often. So Lord, whatever you got to do to open our eyes and ears and hearts, whatever you got to do to shift our priorities, to help us get there, Lord, we ask you to do it. And, and Lord, I'm asking God, if there's anybody in this room that is maybe uh, resisting what you're trying to do, Lord, that their hearts would simply be open. That they would accept, Lord, that you are drawing them closer to you. God, if there's anybody in this room that feels super dry, Lord, I pray that they would understand that it's typically in those seasons where you want us to press in deeper so our roots can go deeper so we can find that living water again. So, Lord, thank you for coming upon us. God, I, I, I just pray what you said in Ezra. God, that there would be a spirit of grace and a spirit of prayer that would come over this church. God, that you would shift us 
from our personal times to our corporate times that we would value and that we would treasure this great privilege called prayer. So, Lord, I bless your people, God, today to be all that you called them to be. I bless them, Lord, to remember that you're in the secret place, that you will reward them, and, God, that you already know. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.